This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry. This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. We're talking today with Chuck Christian, CIO at Good Samaritan Hospital in Vincennes, Indiana. Chuck is the former chairman of the Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society. Thanks for joining us today, Chuck. Hey, Howard. Thanks very much for the opportunity. For starters, why don't you tell us a little bit about your hospital size and scope and the size of your IT staff? Sure. We're a 232-bed hospital out in southwest Indiana. We're acute care. We do a little bit of everything uh, from open heart uh, to uh, primary care. We recently started employing a significant number of physicians, and we do about 32,000 visits to the ER a year, about 10,000 inpatient visits, and uh, somewhere around 250,000, 260,000 outpatient visits a year. IT staff is 25, me included. We want to talk to you a bit today about your information security priorities for the year ahead. Are you planning to add any staff devoted to handling information security issues in 2011? And how do you handle those duties now? Well, they're kind of disseminated a group across uh, quite a few folks. We recently made a change uh, and uh, made internal audit more responsible for security from an oversight standpoint. We had a consulting group come in and decided that since uh, I was the CIO and also the security officer, it was kind of like the fox watching the hen house. I don't necessarily uh, disagree. I think there needs to be some other oversight to making sure that we're doing the appropriate thing. So I, yeah, I actually welcome that that change a little bit. But as far as adding staff, I'd love to have a I mean, a security officer uh, that does nothing but that. But we just really I can't justify the expense of having an individual that does nothing but that. So I've got that those duties uh, spread across myself from an administrative standpoint to my uh, chief technical officer, to other members of his staff. We've taken a multi-layered approach to security, and we've kind of decentralized how the responsibility of managing those components go. And and clarify for me what the audit staff is doing for you now? The internal auditor, he reports to the board. And what he's doing, he's he's providing the oversight uh, as far as our security plans and making sure that we're doing what we say we're doing is number one. And number two, he's providing another set of eyeballs related to the industry, you know, what others are doing, making sure that we're keeping up with prudent practice. Because you know, what we found is there are quite a few other folks in the healthcare field, this internal audit is playing a much different role because they're, they're auditing the systems anywhere, anyway. So, you know, having them also add those security pieces to it during their audit processes, I think, makes pretty good sense. Do you have a feel for what percentage of your total IT budget will be devoted to security next year, and is it changing at all? One of the things that we're going to be doing is uh, that I've been asking for for a long time is automating our user provisioning processes. Now, we've got a, uh, a pretty good portfolio of applications that we have to manage, and providing user access uh, appropriately and being able to audit and manage that is just a manpower killer as far as I'm concerned. And so what we're going to be doing is adding uh, that software piece. And so in, in that light, uh, then our investments are going to increase uh, related to that over, over time. But we really haven't hold out what pieces are just related to security because there's a lot of things that are embedded uh, in the applications itself. And we have had single sign-on here for quite some time now. 
And so, you know, that's kind of an ongoing expense. But, you know, the really next investment we're going to make is going to be uh, in user provisioning. And, and why is user provisioning a, such a priority for next year? Well, I mean, it, it meets a couple of things. One is uh, that, you know, having done the, the gap analysis relates to meaningful use and some of the things we need to make sure that we're doing appropriately is making sure that we have good roles-based access to the systems. The, the other thing is providing a way of uh, auditing who has access to what, not only in, in the building but also at the position practices because all of our uh, own position practices and the independent practices ha- have access to our electronic medical record. And so they're not real good about letting us know when people, you know, terminate. So we have to, you know, constantly be vigilant at looking at that and, you know, looking at, you know, the, the activities. And so we're looking for ways to unload some of those manual processes and automate them and, and then be a little bit more proactive uh, on how we do that. You know, the other piece that we're also going to be investing is is related to uh, an aggregation of our audit logs. Uh, we have audit logs in all the components of our EMR, and so if we have a uh, suspected breach or if we're doing a, just a, you know, one of our routine regular audits of who's looking at what, then, you know, it's you know, four or five individuals that we have to tap in order to go look at that. And so we've looked at an application that will help us aggregate those audit logs so we can do two things. One is have one place to go and do run our routine audits. The other thing is to have them proactively run uh, and also set up alerts. Uh, it can get as granular as employees are, that are looking at patient records on the same street as they are. So we can you know, kind of catch that at the very early onset and address those issues uh, without having to do a retrospective review. Now, who's been looking? We want to know who's looking now. Will your organization be applying for Medicare or Medicaid incentive payments under the HITECH Act for using EHRs? Yes, we will for both. We've been running about 60 65% Medicare uh, service for many years, and we uh, are running right at 10.1% on the Medicaid side. So it, that qualifies us for being able to participate in both those levels of programs. You know, we won't be able to attest to being meaningful user for Stage 1 until 2012 because we've got physician order entry uh, and a few other things to do before we get there. You know, From a clinical documentation standpoint, we're in really good shape, but uh, we need to uh, move in forward with the evidence-based uh, order sets and physician order entry. And those are the two primary things. And the other thing we're going to be doing as part of this is identifying a, a firm uh, that will come in and do a very focused security audit for us to make sure that uh, we, we're doing everything we need to, to so we can check that box off as far as uh, meeting all the requirements, the HIPAA guidelines, both the ones from 96 and the, the new ones out of ARRA, and we can mitigate any of those uh, issues that are identified. So when's the last time you conducted a, a risk assessment there? About two years ago. And so it, you know, it falls really well into our cycle of, of doing those risk assessments uh, about every 36 to 48 months. So what do you see as the most important trends in healthcare information, privacy, and security overall in 2011 and beyond? And how do you expect those trends to affect your job as CIO, especially since you wear so many hats? 
Well, it's going to make my hair continue to fall out. Of course, my age has nothing to do with that either. Uh, I, I think that we just need to get more vigilant. I think that if you look at some of the discussion that's happening in Washington, D.C. right now about privacy and security, the volume is going to be raised. You know, Indiana is kind of a unique place. We're doing a lot of health information exchange. You know, we've got some fairly sophisticated legal models related to how that data is going to be shared and when it's going to be shared. But depending upon some of the the access models uh, and the opt-in, opt-out discussions that are taking place may change the landscape a little bit. I think that for us in healthcare, it's always been a very delicate balance. How do we provide the right people access, but also make sure that we're protecting the people's information and privacy at the same time? So I've got some physicians that would want to make sure that we maintain the kind of the break the glass approach and rather than asking permission and being granted access because it could delay care. Uh, in some cases. And if I'm in the emergency room and it's me who's having a heart attack, I can tell you, I don't really care who looks at my record if they're there to help save my life. Now, if they're a 14-year-old down the street that's just wanting to kind of cruise through and uh, to see if, uh, you know, what's happening with Mr. Christian, then, you know, i got a problem with that. You know, the kind of the question, how do we qualify who's accessing the record and, you know, at what level? Okay, well, thanks very much, Chuck. We've been speaking today with Chuck Christian of Good Samaritan Hospital. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.HealthCareInfoSecurity.com.